You're listening to the Skylight Books Podcast. We're an independent, general interest bookstore putting great reads in the hands of people in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles. Hosted by resident Skylighters, we're here to bring you new and exciting author conversations, group reads, and bookseller chats. Happy listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the virtual Skylight Books. Um, my name is Hallie. I'm the events manager here. We are so excited to be here this afternoon. I'm billing this as a lunch break reading, I've just decided, um, with Catriona Ward and Caroline Kepnes. Without further ado, Catriona Ward was born in Washington, D.C. and grew up in the United States, Kenya, Madagascar, Yemen, and Morocco. She studied English at Oxford and later the Creative Writing Masters at the University of East Anglia. Her second novel, Little Eve, won the 2019 Shirley Jackson Award and the August Derleth Prize at the British Fantasy Awards. Her debut, The Girl from Raw Blood, also won the 2016 August Derleth Prize, making her the first and only woman to win the prize twice. Her short stories have appeared in numerous anthologies. She divides her time between London and the remote English moors. Um, she's joined today by Caroline Kepnes. Caroline is the author of You, Hidden Bodies, Providence, and numerous short stories. Her work has been translated into a multitude of languages and inspired a television series adaptation of You, currently on Netflix. Kepnes graduated from Brown University and previously worked as a pop culture journalist for Entertainment Weekly and a TV writer for, the, for Seventh Heaven and The Secret Life of the American Teenager. She grew up in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, and now lives in Los Angeles. We're going to kick off today with a reading um, and then welcome Caroline up for conversation. So please join me in giving them a very, very warm welcome. Hi, thank you, Hallie. And thank you all so much for coming as well. We, I know we've all got Zoom fatigue, but um, it's so appreciated. So um, I'm going to read a short section from um, one of my favorite characters' voices, um, which is Callie. Um, and Callie has a very particular way of talking. Uh, she often talks sort of in emojis. Um, and she has uh, she has a very special way of seeing the world, and she also has some very unusual companions. And this is the first time in the book we meet her. So, um, okay. Callie. We stop for gas and mom gets out. I see her blonde hair like a waterfall. Breathe the rich metal reek that leaks from the pumps. I love smells that are supposed to be bad for you. Glue, gas, bug killer. When she gets back in the car, her mouth is tense. Dumpster puppy whines and pushes his head against my hand. I see the seatbelt through his transparent ears. She's taking us somewhere secret, Dumpster puppy says. Better watch out for trouble. She's taking us to Sundial, I say scornfully. You've never been there, but I have. Calm down. Dumpster puppy is a pessimist. That means someone who knows how things are. But he's good company because we can talk to each other without words. He's right, though. Something's up. The air has a crackly feeling. It's good that mum let me bring dumpster puppy's bones, but I wish I could have brought all my pale ones. They'll be sad without me, my little animals. Usually they nestle in my pockets, deep sleep in the hollows of my body at night. Now they'll have to wander the house lonely. Dad and Annie don't know how to talk to them. Pale Callie sits beside me, humming and looking out the window. She knows about Sundial. She's been there. 
I don't have Pale Callie's bones. I don't know what Pale Callie is really, just that she goes where I go and always has. I watch the back of Mom's head. I think about what Dad said while he was hugging me goodbye. Mom was putting the bags in the car so she didn't hear. Be careful out there, bud, Dad said, warm in my ear. Dad and I are best buds. If you get scared out there, you call me. Why would I get scared? Your mum, she can be a little unstable. I felt a thrill of fear because I knew what he meant. The crying, the screaming late at night, always yelling at dad. And she lies too. I can always tell, even if she doesn't know it herself. For example, mum doesn't like me, even though she swears she does. I could see her wondering if I would tell him about the slap she gave me. I don't know why I didn't. Maybe it's because it made mum seem a little more like me just for a second. And it's a powerful thing to keep a secret. It's a long ride to Sundial and we're not even out of town yet. Pale Callie and I play warm or pale. This is where I guess whether the people we see through the window are ghosts or not. And Callie tells me the answer. I point to a kid on roller skates holding her mum's hand. Warm, Pale Callie says. A man sleeping under the freeway is pale. But that was an easy one. He looks pale. The lights hold us here for a few moments on red. And in the front seat, Mum pushes her hair away from, and I look at the back of her slim neck. It's strange how beautiful she is, because it's like she's nothing to do with me. Pale Callie yawns and points to a guy on the crosswalk in front of us. Nearly pale, she says. Cancer. He won't last the year. I whisper. <laughs> and it's it's so good to see you in person. So I'm blaming well, I mean, it. I know. And so good to hear that. And I'm so glad that you chose Kelly because that's one of the, like, there's so much to say about this book. So much. Oh. But something I love is the way we know there's world building, but you have this character building. And then each character gives us a world. And Callie in particular, that emoji talking, I loved that so much of like, like the way she's showing the emotion instead of kind of going on about it. Like, can you talk, can you just talk more about that the moment that that came to you? It just, it, it feels very natural to me that, that someone, I haven't seen it before in a book, I, I, but it suddenly fe felt that, particularly when you're that age, cause she's 12 and you're on the cusp of everything being new. I mean, the entire world seems so strange at that age, doesn't it? It's, it's a mystery. All, you're, you're on the edge of everything. Nothing is familiar. Childhood is behind you. You've got this great foreign land to navigate all by yourself. So for me, the idea that someone would find comfort in this shorthand seemed really natural and instinctive. And I think I, I like it because it's... Um, it's a, it, it is a sort of extremely simplistic and also but also quite emotionally attuned at the same time way of interacting with the world but just using it just using a different system of coding i suppose to everyone else yes. yeah. finding her tools that's what i finding like to tools. Like, also yeah. those things today and i love that in your writing that you you take the everyday that we see and then through this character utilize them in such a different way and now when i use them i like i think of callie and yes <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's My work is done. <laughs> oh, that's so nice of you no, to say. No, no, no. <laughs> so yeah, the sunshine gothic of this book is something mm. that I love. Like, and especially to the way you play with us. 
as the reader, I loved starting and feeling like, oh, we're in a domestic setting in yeah. this house and they've got the cheating and like we feel like we know this kind of world and what we're used to expecting from that kind of story. And I'm curious if that was intentional on your part to like start us in a setting where it all couldn't seem more like like less supernatural and more well, yes. like, like that we know this kind of story. And then knowing even if you read the jacket copy, if you know you're writing, you know there's going to be something else. But I just loved that. Well, I that's I think you put you've hit the nail on the head because I love it too. I have a real I've got a real love and affection for genre. And genre is so often used as this like catch-all just to mean stuff that people don't think is very good. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> so for me, working with I think domestic noir has a lot a lot to say. And I and maybe there's an element of me which just thought it would be so much fun to have those tools at my disposal. But also I think the way the, the way the genre of the novel changes is exactly how um, the character's emotional journey changes as well. So they in, they start out, you know, um, in in a semblance of normality, and mm. and then gradually um, it opens out into this great desert gothic. And um, and the you know the desert in particular, I think is it is so gothic, isn't it? Yes, it's, yes. It's it's like um. So it's two forms of imprisonment, really. So you mm -hmm. have the house and and the marriage. And then you go to the desert, which looks like freedom. It looks like this great expanse of open space. But actually what it is is a cage. So because you can't go into it because it has so many ways to kill you. And yes, exactly. So I and I, I love I loved that transition of. Um, so actually, even though you, you do move from one genre to another, what you're doing is just entering another form of imprisonment. I don't know why I wrote this book, really. It seems so mean. But... Yeah. No, I mean, well, you know, I, I love imprisonment in books. So yeah. I'm, I'm also fascinated. Like we heard in the bio, and I knew this about your childhood, you grew up in so many different places. And for those who haven't read the book yet, there are these sisters, Rob and Jack, and they grow up in Sundial, in the desert, the Mojave, very isolated from all. They do not go to school. They do not have the normal childhood. And I'm fascinated by your telling this story and it feels so real and like your imagination is on fire. And yet you grew up in so many different environments. And But the emotions of life are always what you're writing about, right? Like, so like, what was it like to take experiences of your childhood and your experience and kind of put them in these characters and... It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because you you often don't know what parts of yourself you're using until later. Yes. Um, and, and I when I after I finished this book, I realised it was actually a much more personal book than I thought. Because you know, as you say, I moved around all the time. I didn't grow up in any kind of desert, and you know, I, I, it, it bears no sort of literal relationship to my experience. But you know, if you move around that much, particularly not it was before the internet as well, and. Um, mm -hmm not just from state to state or town to town, but from continent to continent, you really can't take anyone with you. So your family becomes your home. And mm. there's a, there's such a, um, a nourishment, an amazing kind of um, strength in that. But there's also, you know, it's lonely. Um, and like, for instance, in Madagascar, where we lived for, it was quite formative for me, Madagascar. I think it was from when I was... Uh, six to when I was 11. So quite, you know, the, the years when you're first becoming aware of yourself as a person, you know, it's at our school, we had, um, I think all the school was in one room. And because I think we had 12 people in the school and the teacher would just move row by row back teaching the different grades. Um, 
a letter took six months to reach the country. Um, I, I, I remember getting telexes and telegrams. That was yes. the way we communicated. And, you know, there's there's no way to take friends with you when you when you move. So you really are quite, and, and also there's a sense of missing all the normal markers that people um, have in common. Um, there's a bit, there's a little bit where Rob talks about at dinner parties, everyone talks about when, like what their favorite cartoons were as a child. I just yes. have no idea what people are talking about when, when those conversations come up, because so I wasn't there. Um, I didn't know anything about popular culture. Um, and I, I did just, I didn't know very basic things. Um, so I think that part of me did make its way into the book. Um, I hasten to add that my family are nothing like that family. Um, right. We always but, have to say that. <laughs> yeah, you do, you do. Like my mum once asked me, I don't think it was even about this book. Obviously I tend to revisit the same themes again and again. She said, yeah. is it us? And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, but she, you know, there's this, there's this sense that um, family, again, like the like the desert, they can be this immense nourishment. But what is the and those? This is the questions that the book sort of steps around: is you know, when does um, love turn into to dependence or need? Um, and you know, questions there aren't any easy answers to. Yeah, and that's what I liked about it: that showing like the claustrophobia of a childhood has its problems, and then we're seeing this yeah. family in a quote unquote, normal, like idyllic situation, which brings me to Irving. You guys like Ir Irving is just, every time I even saw his name, I'm like, oh no, here he comes again. And I loved what you did with him by like showing, like for me, he, so when they're growing up, their parents are experimenting on dogs, which is rough stuff. And we'll get into yeah. that in a minute. But yeah. for me, Irving almost treated Rob like one of his dogs. Mm. And I'm curious, like, if you thought about that, and that's where I like that we were hearing her story from dealing with him, and the way yeah. that you kind of unconsciously seek out something that's familiar to you. That's without, very, yeah, that's very Like it broke my heart. She's yeah. going to college. She's doing all of the like things that on paper are the right way to kind of escape yeah. and find a new life, and then it's yeah. that's exactly it. I mean, that's very astute because it, you know there's a reason she picks him, or there's a reason that she accepts that mm. estimation of her worth um partly because i think it's i think it's a, a matter of having been not ha being have been deprived of many interpersonal relationships when you're growing up so you don't get a chance to acclimatize yourself or learn what's appropriate and what's not but i also think it is a sense that there may even be a sense of penance in it you know um and and also a sense of just you accept what you're familiar with and if there's um if there's someone in charge and a subordinate and that's what you've grown up with that's what you accept yes. and, and gravitate towards so someone oh god never go near goodreads right but i never i did oh. <laughs> and um someone was saying um I, they they were like oh well you never get anything from irving's point of view and i was like well no <laughs> um no, no. I'm, i mean i'm not really interested in him um, I'm, I'm interested in his effect on, yes. on Rob and his on his, and his family. I don't, I, I don't know about you, and this is something I really want to ask you as well. It's because what you do so well is you write psychopathy and and um, and narcissism 
so well. Now, I found that one of the biggest challenges because it's it, the trouble is there's no none of the normal hooks to hang stuff on, mm-hmm. none of the normal emotional conflicts that we, that you use to like to, to you know that we use to relate to each other. Um, yes. Yeah. So how did how do you mind me asking you a question? Yes. Okay. It's, ha- right. it's happening. Um, <laughs> you said this would happen, but I was like, okay, I guess it's happening. <laughs> how did you? So how did you? Um, how did you manage that trick of making? Because for me, writing psychopathy was like writing a big empty room. I, I just there was nothing. There's nothing there. What, what, what did you use to like? What was your process in finding that character? It's, for me, I guess I go back to when I was when I was in high school. I did a program an abnormal psychology program where I was in an experiment, but we were studying psychopaths and social problems. And then we didn't know it was an experiment at the time. It was just, wow. Yeah. My next book. And I loved it. And I was like very young and it was my first time away from home. And I almost felt like weirded out about how much I loved reading about these people and writing about them. And I think I love what always gets me is they don't know, they wouldn't describe themselves that way. No. Right. And there's such a, with Joe, there's always a using, like he's, he knows what a normal would want to hear. And so he's, he's thought a lot about how normals kind of talk to themselves. Like he, all he wants, we, the reader understand that all he wants, he thinks his happiness matters more than anything in the room, in the world. But he knows to say, to tell himself that this is for the better of the world, that this person is like an animal that needs to be put down. And I like the mental gymnastics there. But going back to Sundial, what I liked is that without telling, we didn't need Irving's perspective because I feel like you're right. feeling all that. Even in what we just heard, like, yeah, that broke my heart with Cassie when to think of a father saying that to a daughter, yeah. saying, you know, that your mother is unstable, like the whisper of that, like that's the horror of what those people do. And in this book, to me, it's like they're, all of their relationships to Irving are what is interesting because it's, the way that yeah. is for a daughter, for a wife, for a someone else that we won't, won't say to not spoil anything <laughs> of how those people like I loved seeing how that you know how like and then thinking of yeah I don't want to give things away but like his going back to the dogs and to the element of control and experiments and I love just I feel like the way that you have two sets of sisters and then you have this experiment and all experiments involve control both like in the meaning of like what it means to have a control subject and then the the hunt for control, the good part of it of wanting to make the world a better place, but then the MK ultra of like how far is too far. So I'm so curious of like how you like because when you think about this book that starts in this, don't here I am with my hands. <laughs> I've been doing it the whole time. Don't worry. <laughs> um, the domesticity, the like this the nuclear family, and then going into this science experiment and that world. Like, can you talk about what those two things have in common? Like the experiment that is every family that someone's always yeah. trying too hard to have control <laughs> that's i mean that's an excellent way of putting it um you should be a writer um, oh, okay. <laughs> um but um when i i think so these the the dog experiments i'll unfold a little bit because that sort of was this the seed that, that sparked all of this um so between 1965 and 1967 as part of the mk ultra experiments the behavior modification program as it was called that the cia conducted um people often think i made this experiment up i i did not um uh they uh, uh, at langley virginia where the cia is based they um created six remote control dogs 
by uh, implanting electrodes into their brains and teaching them to seek out pleasure stimulus. So the dogs could be taught to seek the pleasure until they found it in the action that they were being required to do. So they do it, they seek it out and then they go, oh, when, when I turn left, I get pleasure. So they, so, and they got very attuned to it. It was very effective. I think there were some grisly failures, um, but it, it, it worked. Um, and he, um, there's a site called the Black Vault where you can see the um, redacted documents that mm. um, uh, that deal with this experiment and some pictures of the dogs actually. Um, and then when it was finished, when they when they had succeeded, they uh, called a halt to uh, the research and they destroyed the dogs because there was absolutely no practical application for it at all. And I just thought, isn't that the height of of almost greed, really, and 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 yeah. you know, hu human, you know, human hubris and narcissism, to to play God in that way for no reason whatsoever. And they must yeah. have known, setting out, that there was not really any application for it at all. Um, the MK Ultra program, famously, um, obviously, um, having um, uh, it was the most famous program dealing, uh, which uh, used undergraduates at Harvard for its control group one of whom being Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. So well done, CIA, for creating the Unabomber. Yep. But, um, great success. This great success. Um, <laughs> but there's this sort of sense of, it's, 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 a, very, it's a very horrible um, manifestation of the control that you, you were talking about. And it's also, you know, in terms of, it's, an attempt, it's another attempt to sort of, um, control our relationship to nature and nurture. It's another attempt to, to defy and transcend those bonds of, um, of things that dictate, uh, dictate our, 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 who we are as people. That, you know, that age old question that everyone's been asking, much cleverer people than me have been asking since the dawn of, of people, which is, you know, what am I and, and, and why? Is it environment? Is it genetics? Is it, is it mm -hmm. upbringing? Is it history? And, um, that that experiment is 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 an attempt to 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 play a creator and 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 uh, jump jump the barrier over those things um and it also i just led me really after nick after the last house on needle street i i really wanted to write about Which... families um but it was a very solitary novel you know it was a novel about isolation and i wanted to write about families and i wanted to write about women in families particularly um, I, you know, I, I, I have, I have a sister and I have a mother, both of whom I get along very well with, but I think that's the, the thriller or horror writer's prerogative is that you nibble away at the edges of your experience and you ask of all the nice things in your life, you ask, mm -hmm. what if it wasn't? Yes. It's the, <laughs> and then you it's write the, about it. Yes. yes. And you remember yes. one moment, one speck of one argument right. where it and felt like something to be. Extrapolate. Yes, exactly. Um, and. But I think, you know, there's, it's a very powerful, particularly mothers and daughters. So in Sundial, um, Tally, who was the, um, the narrator of the section I read at the beginning, um, has display, is displaying these troubling tendencies. And um, her mother, Rob, decides that she has to remove her from the situation before she harms her younger sister, Annie. Um, and she takes her back to Sundial. And as, as Caroline so rightly said, we move from this like comfy 2.4 children um, California suburb out into the desert, where you, where when in the isolation there, with um, Rob explaining the past to Callie, um, they 
and Callie growing increasingly unnerved by her mother's behavior, there's, there comes this point where each one of them believes that the other wants to hurt them and maybe even, even kill them. Now, I think it's, I don't know, I think it can be tempting to sentimentalize relationships between women, particularly mothers. You know, the mother mm -hmm. becomes this repository of just sim symbolizing things that are nice or nurturing. I think people are more complicated. I think women and people, all people are more complicated than that. I think that, you know, from, I'm not a mother. Um, and there's something so unbelievably um, almost horrific for me in the idea of that huge burden of care and of love, that love. You love someone so much and you have to be so responsible for them and provide and make sure that not only do they not die, but they become, you know, functioning, well-rounded people. And, you know, they're, and they're every, you know, every beat of their heart makes your heart. Beat. Yes. It's not surprising that it all starts yeah. with blood and screaming. When you think of like that thing of your heart beating right. in the form of someone else. And you felt that yeah. so much in these dynamics in this book. Yeah. That's yeah. I, and I, so I, I wanted to write about that. And I'm not saying everyone sentimentalizes these bonds, but I think it can be tempting too. And I think it's, I think you can write about the less palatable feelings you have in those relationships without, um, you know, re you know, reducing them in significance or, or trivializing them or, or making them negative. Yeah. And that especially with mothers and daughters that like everyone has the protective instinct, but how it's used and the actions yeah. that from that instinct are so different because that's what I loved about having these different perspectives like I feel like there's a real you feel that reason in this book why we're hearing from Callie when we do and why we're hearing from Rob and also I love that Rob is to me so interesting because she's a writer but not in the way we're used to a woman in a book being a writer like it's a secret it's yeah. not trying to get published it's not purposeful and yeah. yeah without saying who if anyone's ever going to read it I that I don't know if you saw, but yesterday there was something about the showrunner of Adventures in Babysitting was talking mm -hmm. about how stories like for girls aren't treated as seriously and it's harder to get them made and like they kind of disappear from the culture. Like, uh, you know, right. that area. But it made me, of course, immediately think of your book and the mm -hmm. arrowhead. So in the book, just for those who haven't read it, like Rob is is they growing up, they had nothing, but they had a book like a, a YA novel, one book. Yes. And they learned everything from it. And I think I can relate to that so much. And it goes back to like how it's not your, like for me, it was Sweet Valley High. And I treasured yes. each of them and I had all of them. And I, I thought, what if there had only been one Sweet Valley High book and how you would hyper learn and focus on those stories. And then I love her like trying to make her own, but in a therapeutic way. I don't know where I was going with this. I had, I was what? going somewhere, but. <laughs> it's sort of, um, I, I think there's, there's, my sort of love for those stories comes through, but I think also what you get, what what I, I I hope also comes through is the sort of their incredible inadequacy in preparing you for the real world. So, like, I, and I think you know that we are all not either Jessica or Elizabeth Wake. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I, you know, I, I think that that book that they that so the girls as as, as Caroline was saying would pour over this of this over this one book. And um, which is a boarding school, an English boarding school novel, um, sort of vaguely based on the on Mallory Towers, Enid Blyton novels, which, you know, there's I, I think there's something so appealing about them because there's a there, there's a sense of structure and rules and meritocracy and, and things which life so notably lacks. Um, but of course, 
you know, if they perhaps had had more context, worldly context for this story, perhaps it wouldn't have affected, affected them so much. But as it is, they kind of treat it as a bit of a documentary. Um, and, um, you know, and it doesn't doesn't do them any any favours. But then later, Rob, in her later life, when she's discovered perhaps how, um, you know, the, uh, the, the tissue has torn of that illusion, um, she writes her own version of it, which is incredibly violent, um, where the yes. girls carry straight razors and try to murder each other and do black magic on each other. And and I think part of my part of my like real desire in that is there's such a power in writing and art that doesn't have to reflect anything in the real world. You know, and you're being asked, Rob herself is a complicated character and that's not to say that there's you know, there's not things that she wanted mistrust about her. But the fact that she writes those stories, I think, is is not one of those things that should make you mistrust her. I think it's a right. sort of it's a processing of 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 her experience. And as you say, a very private one. Um there's that thing of um they use uh theater for conflict resolution in India, which mm -hmm. is not theater in the technical way that we would think of it, where they what they do is they ask um, when there's disputes, local community disputes, they ask each person to act out the other person's point of view, forcing oh. them into the perspective of the person they're having an argument with. And I think there's something at work there, which, um, you know, the, the personal kind of purpose of, of, of these kind of artistic things, which is really, yeah, kind of potent. Yes. Yeah. And then, and then like that processing without talking, like, I don't know, you could sit and think, why did I do this? Or why did this mean something? Or you could do something to try and figure it, it or out. Write, without, yeah. Or yeah, write a that, story about two schoolgirls cutting each other with straight razors. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's one way. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have to go back to what was it like for you on a, like in a, on a basis to be dealing with these dogs? Like something I also loved about Ooh. that that's in the book is we have Callie, like naming everyone in this very beautiful way. And in that childish way of like, like pale, dog, you know, yeah. naming everything around her. And yeah. then these dogs that have no names, Numbers, but that's so yeah. deliberate. And I loved that of like what we name and what we don't and what we humanize and what, you know, and what we don't. And, but just for you, what's it like to like wake up and be like, well, back to the kennel of, yes, of 27. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes at the end of the day, you just need to go and like look at a horse in a meadow or something. Right, yeah. What do you do to, yeah. And, and what, you know, there's, it's a, it's a sort of eternal question, isn't it? Why, well, certainly the question one gets on panels, it's like, why write this and why read it? Um, I think there's a certain, I think, I, I think this book is a lot, a lot of things. I think it's, you know, shelf wise, it's got thriller and horror and, and, um, and all sorts of things in it. But, you know, it's, what it, what it like mainly has is, um, a kind of, um, sorry, I'll backtrack. Um, I think I'm writing what I'm afraid of. That's, that's what I was tying into with the, with I was, the That was my baseline, are you afraid of dogs? Uh, I'm not afraid of dogs. I'm really, I have a, a very, very strong revulsion for um, animal experimentation. Um, mm. And as ma many people do, um, and there's something so particularly, um, and you know, you know there are no there are no there are no good guys in this fight but um dogs in particular are you know they're, they're our oldest companions we just domesticated dogs eleven thousand years ago i think before anything useful like cows or sheep or 
right. chickens or anything like that. So, and no doubt it was for hunting and stuff like that, but it was also for companionship. You know, they are, they are our oldest allies. And there seems to be something really dreadful about ba- breaking that ancient covenant. Absolutely, um, yes. So I, you know, I, I, what, and it's, it's difficult. I know that it's a strong, it's a difficult thing to read about. It was difficult to write, but what yeah. I, it's, I think it's important to, I don't know, to look that stuff in the face because, um, yeah, it's a, for a start that, you know, it's, it's a real experiment, but also it's, it's, it's just, it's a sort of representation of lots of right. things. And, I, all over yeah. and that's what I liked about knowing that like Rob and Jack grow up where this is the norm in there. Like, that's Ooh. what I kept coming back to when I think as a reader, like, yes, everything you're saying, I relate to, like, it terrifies me to think of yeah. being in an isolated place with people where you know no other world and people are experimenting on dogs and all of that. And you have that instinct that something is off, but you have no power to do anything about it. And that got to me as they're both growing up. It's also a great way to explore like two people, that nature nurture question that are exposed to the same horrors and how they both develop and deal with them in very different ways, even though they have their secret language with the apples. Another, like, I, loved, I did love doing that. I did oh, love writing that. Must have been, um, yeah, I want to know that moment of like, oh my God. <laughs> it's just, you've got to think about, they don't have much stuff, right? So how would yes. they have a secret, how would they communicate secretly? They've got to be use everyday objects. And I thought, ah, if they take, if they just use an apple and bite a certain way, it'll, it'll use a little pattern of bites and it means a little secret language. Yeah, um, and for me, that kind of like, that's the beauty within horror because you have that empathy for them and then you see them finding their way, their particular unique to them way to yeah. cope. And yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I was talking to someone who grew up in a cult um, about this oh. book. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I was, you know, I, and they said um, that they related very deeply to it. Um, and I, 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 I'm not saying this is, um, Sundial is not, is not a cult per se, but I think that isolation and that, um, that defamiliarization um, and as you say, that sense of being told that things are normal mm-hmm. and, and being inculcated with that sort of, you know, programmed with that idea that this is just how life is and yet having an inkling that, it, that it's not. I think yes. that I think that maybe that's what was calling to that to this person. I, I was very like, oh, God, are you OK? And you, they're like, yeah, it's just very familiar. Yeah, but I, like, I've heard yeah. from people in, in cults and in bad relationships that have liked my books for that same reason. have felt like, right. oh, like. Describe what it's like, and that's I, I don't yeah. know about you, but that's always a good feeling because I feel like I think so. that cult, like there are all kind there there are the cults that we hear about that are absolute cults on twenty twenty, you know yeah. that are we know about, but then there are mild cults everywhere we look, like yeah, exactly, and you know we read to feel less alone, don't we? That's what we read to find ourselves, and um, yes, and that's you know, and so it's that amazing connection of sharing your um your discomfort and your fears with the reader at a remove. I still think it's magical. I, I still haven't gotten over the fact that, you know, you can transmit. It's the closest we get to telepathy, isn't it, really? Yes. And the way no two people read the same book, all of it. Like that's, yeah, it's, exactly. like that's where, you know, it's yeah. books are magic that way. I feel they like it's magic, that yeah. thing for a reason. And this book is a great example of that. Of Like I have now, like, and also I'm very afraid of the desert just by nature. I feel like I grew up by the ocean. Yeah. I just, when I've been in the desert, I'm like, something's wrong with this. If I'm not hunched over a blackjack table, <laughs> I'm scared. And for me, like, <laughs> absolutely clarified, like everything that scares me that like when people are isolated, some of them are isolated by choice and some of them yeah. are not. 
or were, well, it doesn't you know. it doesn't care about you the desert you know the, the the landscape the sort of the wild and we have so little access in this day and age to actual real wild yes. you know but the desert is one it's one yes. of the last great wildernesses the last great hostile places that we we have not conquered the ocean is another one yes absolutely yeah. now geographically like sundial i can see it I don't always have the best visual sense, but you did such a good, like, I feel like I knew the perimeter, I knew the fences, I knew my way around. And I'm curious, like, did you visit somewhere where that inspired that? Or did you like draw pictures? Like, how did you like get that clarity in there? I, I, I have this thing with books where if I render it, if I render, if I do that sort of murder board that some people do with bits of yarn and pictures and stuff, it kills it for me, kills it dead. Mm. I, I just, I have to keep it in my brain. I didn't draw Sundial because it did the same thing for me. I started drawing it. I was like, ah, I don't understand it anymore. So, I can't draw a straight line. And yeah. <laughs> well, that's another thing. Well. The, the terrible drawing. But um, I think the best, the way I built it was having the characters wander around it. So it's partly necessity. Mm -hmm. You're like, well, I need the lab, this lab to be near this place. But also you just learn, you learn it by, you discover it by letting them discover it. That was the way I I, I did it. And it, it, there may be more economical and quicker ways to, to, to world build, <laughs> but I haven't found them yet. Right. But I, it's when you said that, I immediately thought, yeah, that's the other part of the story that's nature nurture, because it's the Ooh. actual nature. Like so much of why I could picture it wouldn't necessarily be like the physical description, but the wind, the air. Right. And also I why Sundial was such a great name for the book because of the way things look different in the day and at night. Like, you know, when you can pull up somewhere in the day and it's like, oh, it's shit, you know, this looks, yeah. it's a nice property, but at night it's like, what the hell, I, we are alone, you know? One, one thing that my editor said, which they were like, is this heavy handed? Is to call the ghost town honesty. I was like, mm -hmm. it's not, because there is a ghost town called honesty. And so yes. it, do not interfere with this documentary I'm writing. Right. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's no. the American beauty of it too, you know? Yeah. That, it's yeah. Fun, isn't it? Someone it's, named it that. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's funny, sometimes you get, like, writing has to make more sense than real life, doesn't it? That's the thing. Like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. It has to be, has to be built logically and have, like, plots, you know, structure and plot and arcs. Um, yeah, and surprise you. Like, were you, yeah. did you, it's that pants plot thing, but a curious, going back to your character building, where they really do feel like each one's, each character is a world that needs to be in there. Did you know the ending when you, as you started? Like, did you have a feeling who was who? Because it's something you do beautiful yeah. where like, it's cap like it, I kept thinking when I was reading, like there's no omniscience, but everyone is omniscient. And especially yeah. in, as I was getting into it, I'm like, I really believe who's talking to me each time. And I liked that feeling of like, it's almost the opposite of an unreliable narrator. Because I thought, what is yes. it about that? I'm just trusting. Like I- Nobody's lying to you, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the thing. And I, the thing is, I find that way of writing so instinctive um, mm. because it so closely resembles life. We, yes. You know, we don't have a, a narrator whispering in our ear telling us what information is relevant and who's nice or nasty in the room or, or, or yeah. guiding us through life. We just don't. So to be thrust and there's this, you know, I wanted with Needless Street particularly and also with this, I wanted the reader to be. I think it is an uncomfortable experience at times to almost have to wear the characters like a skin and to be yeah. forced into that subjectivity. I think to have all the safe struts of fiction taken away from you because you're trapped yes. in something as 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 um, anarchic and um, arbitrary as life. I think there's something discomforting about it, a bit horrific in its own right. Because like in Needless Street is a great example because of the, you know, I just think of immediately of your cat, you know how much I love your cat and <laughs> the tombstone talk. Yes. 
but how like it really reminds you of like yeah your limits as a cat like these would be your yeah. problems in yeah. on a daily basis and yeah. you have to deal with them the way that we deal with things we can't do like as humans we can't fly as a cat you can't write an email kind of like yeah, yeah. although she can read right yeah <laughs> That mustn't dwell. Never mind. We'll fix it. Yeah. Fix it in the edit. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So I. I mean, I think there's a. There's. I was talking about this the other day. There's a sort of through line um, with those two books. They're very different, and I was determined that they should be different. I didn't mm. want to. I mean, I don't think you can write another Needless Street. That's just. That's just. Well, you can't write the same book again. No. I, I don't. You know what I mean? Like it's. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you really can't, and and particularly with that one, I didn't want to try and do another, you know, another kind of. Ex I didn't want to use the same toolbox. Right. I wanted, I wanted to do something different. But there's always. I don't know if you feel this. There's always sort of. The, the next one often is either a reaction. There are bits of it that are reactions to what you've written before, like you, like maybe. Yeah. Because I, because because Needless Street was so enclosed, I wanted to write something you know in the, in the experiment. I felt that, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yes. And there's a kind of like little breadcrumbs of stuff that you want that you want to expand on. Like um, Needless Street had sort of a little idea, of perhaps inherited, inherited, um, you know, psychological problems. And I thought, oh, wouldn't that be interesting to do more of that? They sort of give birth to you know, they, they each one gives birth to the next one. Right. And then kind of what you cut or where you sort of go and you realize, yeah. oh, this isn't the book, but then it stays with you. And then yeah. when you finish that book and you're in that, I wrote a book and then it becomes like, I need to write another, like, what, what do I write? And you realize like, oh yeah, it's those things that like didn't find their home in here or like that finishing mm -hmm. one thing led you with like wanting to imagine the exact opposite in some. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I used, when I first started writing, I don't know about you, I, I, I had a terrible time transitioning between books. So I would just spend the ne the the first three months of the new book writing more of the old book, <laughs> except with just yes. different well, that, name. That's how my second book, where I was like almost done with you, and I'm like, well, I can't yeah. even imagine coming up with someone else, so I'm writing a sequel. <laughs> like it's like I'll just Thank keep God going. You did, may I say? <laughs> oh, but, thank you. But yeah, but I I know I I know that feeling. Yes, it's a funny it's a funny old thing, and I you know I I suspect you never get done learning right which is very annoying it um, is yes it's i don't know it's it, to i'm like it's the opposite of like fields i feel like where you get a license and you practice and then you get another license on top of a license and you have this proof like i remember being a kid and thinking of there are jobs where you can hold up something and say i do this like here's i've done it yeah i've done it i've done it yeah and it's it just makes sense for this it's always like did i do it am i done do i do this yeah. like yeah you're never done so, it's the but, worst but, question are you working on something else now? Yes, I am. Yes, it's, actually, it's actually a great question. Um, in future, I think having, I've learned a lesson. I shall not schedule my life like this again. But what I did was I handed in a new book um, the week Sundial came out. So, oh, I think, yes. Oh, so you gave yourself all of that, like the night you're going to bed, like, I want to change this and that and that. And you can't. Now you have released. Oh, I, st I, oh, I still do. Nothing teaches you as much about your book as pressing send. Nothing. Yeah. Yes. I, so I always tell people like who are like wanting to write. I'm like, write something, write anything. It's more important to send it to someone because the minute that little blue box says yeah. sent, that's when you know everything wrong with it's it, you know? That's right. So now I'm just I'm just sitting here waiting <laughs> to have it all confirmed. But um, it's it's um, yeah, I'm excited about it actually. I've still got it behind the eyes a little bit because 
I just finished it so recently. Yes. Um, it's called Looking Glass Sound, and it's about a failed writer who retires to the New England coast to write the revenge novel um, of his uh, of his nemesis, who's who's just died. Um, it was this, they were friends in college, and then the, um, the nemesis betrayed him and became the great novelist. He he. The he oh wrote. yes. Yeah. So now he's now he's now the nemesis is dead. He's going to take him down with this great sort of vitriolic tell-all. But he yes. really he come as he starts to write. Um, he events in the novel start to reverberate with events outside in the real mm. world, and he starts to find notes from the nemesis written in the carrier's characteristic green ink all over the cottage where he's writing. Oh. And what I found interesting about it as well is that I he, so his decision the writer. Our, our protagonist writer makes in order to kind of um, give himself the impression that he's not just doing a takedown as he goes, oh, no, no, I'm going to, a bit of a Joe-like rational, rationalization mm -hmm. here, where he goes, well, I'll, what I'll do is I'll make it a woman. So you, and so you get, you get parts of the novel and parts of the past and the present and all these fragments, but you get, it's very interesting writing the same character in two genders. I found yes. that fascinating. Great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, you can send that to me, too. Oh, <laughs> I shall. Yes. Um, and I'm rewriting my, yeah, my book where Joe becomes a writer. Yes. Oh, yeah, it's fun. It's, yeah, to dive into a book about a writer is, I feel like, and now that you say that, like, about moving from, you know, the, like, the, the kind of confinement to the sprawl of the desert yeah. to the New England yeah. writer space in a little cottage, like, that all makes... Yeah geographic emotional sense too like it does doesn't it uh, did you find it I, I found it, it my, I had real resistance to writing about writers initially I really wanted to but I also was like is it just is it just really self-indulgent or I like it because it made I don't know I because I have that same thought and that yeah. made me harder on it and right right, like, right in a good way and then it also in that way makes it easier to to, to fix things because you can tell, I feel like whenever I even think that, I'm like, something's not right here. Or <laughs> right, 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 right. Yes. Yeah, doing that oh, surgery. Yes. Would you, but you used to write. You or do you still do? Oh, sorry. Do I have time to ask a quick question? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. I'll just. I'm just going to ask about because you are a TV. You work in TV as well. Um, I have. Do you find like how do you find it that you know the working in the two mediums or moving from one to the other? It's been so long. I just, I love fiction. I love Microsoft Word. I feel like when yes. I'm in Microsoft Word, my brain is like, we can go anywhere. We can do anything. Yeah. And I love being surprised. Like something mm -hmm. I just, I just wrote a short story where I thought it was one thing. By the end of it, it's something else completely. And it's yeah. gone forward and back into this place. And then, you know, there's that. And whenever I even like screenwriting to me is just a, a more mathematical form of writing because it has to be. Like however right. screenwriting start, it's like you have to live in reality of like what you're looking at. Yeah. You know, an actor can't be one age, one page. I mean, they can, but you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. it, you have to think of the real world. So, yeah, like with you, when I wrote one episode, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I want to run back and write more books. Like, I like in a book, I can throw them on a book. <laughs> oh, here's, we're all on a cruise at a party with 10,000 people. Yeah. <laughs> have you done any screenwriting or is that something you're like, it's some, it's some, Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a sort of, there are things, things... Yeah, there are thing, things in the ether, and um, it's you know I'm 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 interested. It's just it's interesting. It's a diff, It's a very different sort of as you say. It's much more schematic, isn't it? Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're I feel like you. We're both voicey people. Like once I'm in someone's head, yeah. like yeah. I have so many short stories that are just like here. We're living in this person's skin, like you said before. Like, and that's how I feel when I read your work. And I'm like, my writing thing is, oh, if I could just write ten thousand pages of this one person, just like 
going around. <laughs> and in the right. script, it's like, no, things must happen and escalate, like, which happen in novels, yeah. but I feel like I'm in it for the voice, for the, like, yeah. Well, you have, it's much more private as well, isn't it? Is when you're writing the novel, as you just, you know, but you can make your mistakes in private. I very, for about a heartbeat, I used to, I was an actor. God, it was hideous. Oh. Hid no, not cool. Hideous. And I was <laughs> once, yes. Also hideous. Yes. Hideous. And um, just, you know, the idea of, because I think it's storytelling that I found, found that I found attractive, but mm. that it was, God, that was the wrong medium to choose. Just the ghastliness of being up there, making all your creative mistakes in front of everybody. <laughs> Yes, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. that's so well said. And I guess they want the people want to ask questions. Oh, sorry. Yes, of course. Sorry, I go on. Um, sorry, I could listen to you talk all day. Um, our first question is from Sam, who says, "Was the click inspired by CRISPR Cas9?" Well, um, I think, as I think I said, you're a very good reader. Because yes, it absolutely was. Um, which is um that. Um, the new genetic uh, editing tool, which I think won the Nobel Prize, I do believe, um, a couple of years ago, this new um, form of editing. Um, gene editing is really interesting because you can't do, um, and this not, not entirely coincidentally comes up in the book, you can't, you are not legally allowed to do germline editing, which is um, where you change genetics for a different, for another generation. You can, you can f fiddle the genetics of of inhuman inhuman gene gene editing anyway um but yes it's it absolutely was well done Sam. i like how you like you own the word click now you know that was <laughs> click and also clocks oh yeah because that was something else i loved about callie of seeing everyone as a clock and i've noticed now since then i love when a book stays with you like that like yeah. you're a clock and you're a clock and yes all clocks just ticking away Glad Sam brought up the click yes <laughs> Um, our next question is from Ariel, who says, hi from London. Um, and also, uh, okay, so horror and the gothic genres are often thought of as taking place in dark, cold places or within the shadows. But of course, Sundial is in the desert where the sun is bright. This was such an interesting choice and made the narrative entirely unnerving. How was it to upturn this normal trope by setting it in the dry, sunny setting? I think that's, I think that's, you put your finger on it, which is that, you know, we're supposed to be safe in daylight, aren't we? We're supposed to be safe when the sun is blazing down upon us. And to reverse all those things, a bit like I was, um, I was mentioning, you know, the, the desert looks like freedom, but actually it's a trap. You know, the light looks like protection because everything's visible, but actually just as terrible things can happen to you in the light as they can in the dark. And that's actually, that's a, a kind of a horrific realization. Because I've seen, you know, I've seen hot Gothic, like, you know, Southern Gothic, which is a genre I just cannot get enough of. I'd never really seen Desert Gothic. Um, there may be some, and please forgive my ignorance, shout out in the comments if there's something I'm missing, because I'd love to read. But I just thought, in the same way that space is very Gothic, in mm. that the, the expanse of it, is a, the cold, indifferent expanse of it is actually um, another form of containment. Yeah, so and I'm glad you said that because I feel like if there are probably books we don't know about or can't think yeah. about right now, but that was something where I love this is actually like such a good setting because of that warmth and the expanse that it's if you say scary to someone, if you say horror, they immediately think of a house in the woods in the middle of, you Darkness. know, yeah. Darkness. yeah, and I'm like, the light is terrifying. And that was my yeah. thing of like, every time the girls were talking about 
you know, the sun being hot and like the sun coming out, it was like, oh, this makes it so much worse, like in a Tarantino kind of way, in a book. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The worst things happen in broad daylight. Yes. Caroline, I feel like your books are kind of do that too. Um a little Thank bit. I, yeah, I don't, yeah, that's sun scares me. <laughs> Hipsters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um well do you do you all have any final questions or thoughts before we um, continue on with our days? This, I just want to say thank you both for being here. This was so wonderful. Um, yes, thank you I wish, so much, Hallie. Thank you. I wish we were there there, too. Maybe I know. Next time. Yeah, right. Next time. And thank you all for spending your, your hard-earned lunch breaks with us. Yeah, we The middle of the day or, where, or night, wherever you are. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, and, and I'm sorry yeah. if I, I didn't spoil anything. That's always my fear you with these. Like, I was adamant you, that I wasn't going to. So. You walked the line beautifully. Good. Yes. Intrigued, but no spoiling. Yeah. Um, now I'm like wary of the sun that's shining right on me. Um, <laughs> no, so, you're, you're, yeah. You stay where you are in the, in the room. <laughs> yeah. Caroline, thank you for your amazing questions. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Caroline. Oh. Thank you for this amazing book and the opportunity to talk about it. Yeah. Thank you for Sundial. <laughs> all right. We will see you all soon. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon. <laughs>